I'm Martin Tyler, and you're listening to Harry Simeon. Hey everybody, how's it going? Welcome back to the Chronicles of Aguna, the Arsenal podcast, part of the 90 Min Football Network. Nearly lost my trailer thought there. Why? Because I'm buzzing. I'm delighted. I've got a massive smile on my face. I'm thinking happy thoughts all of the time because Arsenal have come out on top in the North London derby and remain top of the Premier League. We couldn't have asked really for a much better start to the season. You know, with the exception of one disappointing result at Old Trafford, and you have to say even that day, the performance was very good. Everything's been brilliant. Everything's been superb. There's clear progress. And to get one over the old rival is always brilliant, isn't it? And uh, yeah, it was a game that I was going into quite concerned about. It was a game that I was going into sort of fearful of Spurs' counter-attacking threat, fearful of what might happen if we overcommitted, fearful of the fact that Mikel Arteta was probably not going to compromise any of his principles with regards to the way he was going to approach the game, the way he was going to set up his team. And uh, and I must admit, maybe in the build-up, I gave Tottenham a little bit too much respect. Maybe. I don't know, because I thought they were poor. I thought they were really, really poor, barring maybe a 10-minute period in the first half. I thought Arsenal were completely in control. There was only one team that wanted to play football. There was only one team on the front foot. Um, you know, listening to Antonio Conte's comments after the game, uh, some of the other comments from sort of Spurs circles after the game, there's uh, there's obviously some hurt there and they're going to try and deflect the blame. They're going to try and put it on Anthony Taylor, the referee. They're going to try and put it on all different factors. But ultimately, football won. That's what happened. Football won. Mikel Arteta Okay, it's easier to do it when you're at home. I appreciate that. But Mikel Arteta set up a team to go out there, to play on the front foot, to play their own game, to focus on what it is that they do best. And he backed the team to go out there and get the better of Tottenham Hotspur. And we were better than Tottenham Hotspur from the off right until the finish, with the exception, as I say, of probably a 10, maybe 15 minute period max. And, um, you know, it's a testament to how far this team have come because people are talking about this side as being, this Spurs side, I mean, as being title contenders. I, I think that's nonsense. I never thought that was on the cards. I never thought that they were that good. But, you know, people, a lot of people have got them nailed on a second in their predictions, particularly after the first few weeks when they've been picking up results and the likes of Liverpool have obviously been stuttering. Look, before we dive further into the North London derby, let's say a few hellos to those of you joining us in a live in the live chat. A big thank you to all of you because, you know, I always appreciate people signing on and joining me on an early Sunday morning show. It's not ideal. Most people want to be sleeping. Some people in other parts of the world probably prefer this time. But here we are. Uh, Harvey says, hello. Happy with the win. James says, hello, mate. What a win that was. 12.30am kickoff here in New Zealand, but was up, as always, watching the Arsenal with the New Zealand fan group. Keep up the great work, mate. Thank you. And a big shout out to everybody uh, over in New Zealand. A big hello to Steve, to Glenn, uh, to Clock End Seb, to Trevor, uh, to Kin, uh, to Junior Gunner. My guy Harry is going to be waxing lyrical about granite. Fair enough. He deserves it. Yes. Uh, Sam Rudman says, uh, how was church after the game? So I actually missed the church part of the christening because it took me longer than I thought to get back from the North London derby. There was a lot of traffic uh, around the Arsenal area and it just took me 
maybe 20, 25 minutes longer than anticipated. So I ended up skipping the church bit and going straight to the party. But I tell you what, I walked in there with the biggest grin and the biggest smile on my face. You know, when you it's like that triumphant walk into a room. Everybody knows that you've just come from the Arsenal game. Everybody knows uh, that you're smug. <laughs> Loved it. And also as well, my, my little boy... Um, refused to take off his Arsenal shirt after the game because he was so happy um, and so pleased with the result. My missus ended up having to put him a smart shirt on top of an Arsenal shirt, which he revealed at the party as well. That's what you want to see. Uh, what else have we got? Um, big hello to Balaji, to Paul, to Shabi, uh, to John, who's just great day to be a gooner. Absolutely is. Big hello to the Wandering Minstrel, uh, Lord Gunner, Amira, uh, Martin says, couldn't ask for anything better going into the Liverpool game. Of course, a big game coming up very, very soon as well. Uh, Madrid says, Harry, stop uh, stop hiding like Spurs. Clock end, Seb, uh, in response to me being late kicking off, as always, says, hurry up, Harry. Still, uh, sorry, stalling the lad to take, stalling, taking the lad to the park for you. Lovely. Um, look, big hello to everybody else in the chat. There are so many um, of you in the comments that, if I go through everybody, we we won't ever get to talk into the game. Uh, but I will say a special shout out to Rishi, who says, yo, first time catching you live. Good to see you, mate. Good to see you in the live chat. OK, so let's start up with the team that Mikel Arteta selected. Now, it was the team that I would have picked, as you saw in my preview show, with the exception of Kieran Tierney. I would have played Kieran Tierney at left back. I was fearful of being caught out on the break. I was fearful of being a little bit lapsed defensively. We've talked about Kieran Tierney and his sort of tendency or, or, or the requirement, sorry, for him to drift into midfield in the way that Zinchenko does and the fact that we've been seeing that more and more frequently. But he still doesn't do it as often as Alexander Zinchenko. But Mikel Arteta opted to not worry about the threat that Tottenham bring. He opted to not concern himself too much by what Spurs could offer and focus primarily on what Arsenal do best. He would have looked at that Spurs midfield of Bentancourt and Hoybjerg and thought, yeah, you know what? There's only two of them in there. I can overrun them. And that would subsequently lead to us controlling the game in large parts. Now, for what it's worth, I thought pre-game that we could have controlled the midfield anyway. I thought that if Odegaard, Xhaka and Partey were at it, that was more than enough to dominate that particular area of the field. But why not increase your dominance? Why not add another player in there that was going to go in there and do that exact same job. I've talked about it before. Arteta is trusting of Gabriel and Saliba that when those balls are knocked into those wide channels, they've got the mobility to get across. And there was a number of times where Spurs did that and Saliba would obviously come out to the right-hand side because Ben White had tucked in. And then Saliba would then sort of go out and confront the wide player whilst Ben White would tuck into that centre-back position. I guess that's the benefit of having someone, at least on that side, who's a centre-back by trade, only playing on the right this time. So, yeah, look, it, it was a bold decision from Mikel Arteta. It was a brave decision as well. Um, you know, I thought especially. But, you know, this is, this is it, right? So we, we will have days like we did at Old Trafford where our dominance, unfortunately, doesn't then go on to breed the result that we want. Now, that's just part and parcel of it, right? You, you're going to have good days. You're going to have bad days. But I think predominantly, if you play your game most of the time and you do it to a good level and to a good standard, you will come out on top. And I thought that that midfield edge that we had, it did give us that extra bit of dominance in the middle of the park. Um, you know, as a consequence, sorry, of Zinchenko 
playing that inverted position. But I did think there were a couple of points in that maybe 10-minute period I referenced where Spurs were quite good. Maybe that's the wrong term. Well, better. Um, I do think that, that some of the half chances they created, um, you know, the fact that they managed to force that situation that ultimately then went on to lead to the penalty. I think some of that was a consequence of that decision from Mikel Arteta. And I'm not knocking him because we ended up winning the game. And overall, it benefited us. But there were just signs of what I was worried about. The fact that when they did get the ball into wide area Spurs, it maybe just sometimes took us a little bit too long to shift players across and get bodies confronting those wide forwards. They did have a couple of moments in the first half. There was that delivery into the box from a free kick, which was never a free kick, by the way, um, where our line tried to stay really high. And I thought we got caught out there and we were fortunate uh, to get away with that. Ramsdale made a, a pretty decent stop. Um, there was the Perisic opportunity on the left-hand side. Uh, Perisic got the ball there, really should have done better. Um, but overall, we limited Spurs to very, very little. And that's what you want to see. Right, you look at that team on paper, you saw Kane, you saw Richarlison, you saw Son, and you start to automatically fear the worst. But really and truly, Arsenal you know, kept them at an arm's length. And I think it's easier to see that when you then watch the game back or watch the highlights back. I think at the time, the anxiety levels and the nervousness is so high that you almost overblow every situation that they have in your own mind. I say this all the time. You go to a game, you go through the emotions of it, whether you're there or you're watching it on TV, you go through the mill, don't you, in terms of emotions. And then often when you watch it back, you think, actually, this was a lot more comfortable than maybe I felt at the time. And that was certainly the case when I got home and watched the highlights of this one last night. Um, we'll, we'll sort of run through the team um, and, and give some thoughts. Actually, let's talk about the key events first. Um, you know, let's talk about ultimately the first goal, Thomas Partey. He has been trying to score that goal for so long. The ball cut back to the edge of the box, slightly right of centre position, sets it outside of the post and bends it into the top corner. And what a day to turn up and execute that. You know, we'll come on to his individual performance in a minute because he was superb. But what a goal. What a way to kick off the derby after, you know, yeah, we'd had a lot of the ball up to that point. But I didn't really think that we were having an awful lot of joy breaking Spurs down at that point. Actually, when I think about it now, Mikel Arteta has spoken quite a bit, hasn't he, post-match about the atmosphere, the connection with the fans. I keep saying to you guys, he does that all the time and he does it deliberately because what he does by constantly referencing that is remind you subconsciously of what it is Arsenal want from you as a fan when you're in the stadium, what it is they want from you in terms of creating that atmosphere and using it as something that benefits us in these types of games. And um, I must admit, so I thought, obviously, in the lead up to the game, the atmosphere was brilliant in and around the stadium. There was the brass band. I'm sure lots of you have seen the clips of that going around on social media. They were outside the ground. They were inside the ground. They were in the concourses. They were pitch side. And that was brilliant. That was a real good atmosphere builder. I really enjoyed that. Um, and then the atmosphere started superbly, as it always does in a North London derby. But just before Thomas Partey's goal, you started to get the feeling that, we were a little bit frustrated as a fan base, maybe. Um, or, or maybe it's that nervousness, that anxiety I keep referring to. I don't know. But you did feel like it was just starting to go a touch flat in comparison to what it had been. Now, Arsenal traditionally, under Mikel Arteta, have wanted to start games fast. And a lot of the time when we've 
blown teams away and been really comfortable in our victories. It's off the back of one of those really fast and strong starts. And you get to the point where, you know, we're we're sort of knocking the ball around a lot. At times, the, the tempo of our passing reduced dramatically. Now, that's not because of anything Arsenal did wrong, I don't think. I think that Arsenal, you know, realised that and actually probably showed a bit of maturity by saying, well, you know what? We're trying to force the issue. It's not really happening. So let's just make sure that we keep the ball. Let's be patient. Let's pull them left. Let's pull them right. And hopefully those gaps and spaces will appear. And so just before that kind of 20-minute mark, when Thomas Partey opened the scoring, I did feel it was starting to go a little bit flat. So I thought the goal came at a brilliant time because it really lifted the stadium. Like, I can't even tell you. I can't even, if you weren't at the game, I can't even describe how much of a difference it made to the atmosphere just when you felt like it was starting to become a little bit dull and you know look not dull dull is the wrong word right it was still a good atmosphere throughout but there was a period where it did significantly drop off and Thomas Partey's goal really lifted everybody but then of course 11 minutes later Tottenham go and win that penalty down the other end of the pitch now there was a catalogue of errors here let's be honest that I referenced that point about the left back being out of position I think that contributed to Spurs and Richarlison getting into that space on the right-hand side. His cross into the box was dealt with by Ramsdale and then Xhaka's got to deal with it. Let's be honest, like, I'm a massive defender of Granit Xhaka and I think he's been superb and we'll come on to him again in a minute, but he's got to deal with that better. He really, really does. But having said that, Gabriel has got to be smarter than diving in on a Richarlison who is on his weaker foot is probably going to see his effort blocked by the defenders that we have back. Maybe, I don't know. But it just felt a little bit reckless from Gabriel. And um, and he, he gave away the penalty. North London derby penalties for Spurs. Well, they're a common occurrence. And so it was no surprise when Harry Kane then placed the ball down, stepped up, put it down the middle, wrong-footed Aaron Ramsdale and put Spurs back on level terms. And then at that point, I just think we... We struggled a little bit. That was probably our most difficult period of the game because I remember looking up at the clock and thinking, I can't wait for the break to come now. Like We need the break. We need to make sure we don't concede again. We need to get half to half time and we need to regroup because the atmosphere, I talked about it maybe waning off a little bit after, you know, or, or sorry, prior to Thomas Partey's goal. Well, it completely went off a cliff um, after Spurs' equaliser because of, that nervousness and that anxiety. People were genuinely stressed and concerned by what they were seeing unfold in front of them. So, yeah, look, we we had to be mature and go in at half time. I thought we were a little bit immature, actually, after we scored the first goal, because I just looked at it and thought, OK, for the next 10, 15 minutes, just make yourselves compact, make yourselves difficult to beat. You don't need to take additional risks. And there we were doing it again you know, pushing people forward, leaving spaces in dangerous areas. And ultimately, that's where, as I say, the uh, Spurs equaliser stem from. But we go in at the break, 1-1, and you're a little bit disappointed. There's no question about that. As an Arsenal fan, you go in at the break thinking, we've played all of the football here with the exception of a 10-minute period. And, and we're on level terms against a side who you know, a really stubborn, notoriously difficult to break down, notoriously difficult to beat when they set up in that way with a manager who's made a career essentially of playing that way. 
And you're starting to think, well, maybe a draw is not the worst result in the world. Like I certainly was trying to convince myself in my own mind that that wouldn't be the, the end of the world. But you you feared at halftime that we were going to be so desperate to try and put right that wrong that we could get caught out again on the break and we could make a mess of it. So that that was kind of my my feeling and my thoughts going in at half time. Um, but you know that's that's part and parcel of football. You got to handle those moments. You got to take on those challenges. You got to hit them head on. And and I thought we did that. Um, you know, you we we talk a lot about sort of the mentality of a team, and I think that mentality is obviously really really important. But so is maturity. And I still see signs that that is not always there in the way that we overcommit sometimes when we're winning a game, in the way that we, I don't know, sort of let the emotion of an occasion and the atmosphere sort of dictate how we play. It's a factor and it should help us. But we've got to be able to block that out when necessary. And that's what, um, you know, that's that's what you need if you're going to go on and challenge for the big things. And um, I'm almost pleased that there's still a couple of bits and pieces that we're not hundred percent perfect on because what that does is it, it, it continues that narrative in the media of, well, you know, I'm not sure about Arsenal, you know, they've had a great start to the season, but I'm not totally convinced by them because of X, Y, Z. I don't mind that. I prefer that because I don't like this talk of Arsenal winning the title. It's driving me up the wall, right? This is a team that people were saying were bang average just 12 months ago. This is a manager that people have described as not good enough for the Premier League, let alone Arsenal Football Club. And now we are where we are. It's almost like we're better off not having that pressure on us. We're better off not having that stress. I've said before that Spurs under Antonio Conte have been really disappointed in their performances this season. Not for me, I don't care. But for the Spurs fans and for people that maybe watch on as neutrals, they have been underwhelming. And every time I say that on any platform, I get, oh, you're just an Arsenal fan. You you know, he's bitter, blah, 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 blah. No, I, I'm, I'm speaking the honest truth. I look at that Spurs side and I think they are one dimensional. I think they are negative. I don't think they have a plan B. And... You know, we, by scoring that first goal through Thomas Partey, we we essentially took Antonio's game plan out of his hands, ripped it up and threw it in the bin. And then so to gift them away back in and almost give them the glue to glue that blueprint back together or sellotape, whatever you glue paper, whatever you stick paper with these days, was really, really frustrating. Really frustrating. And they, therefore, you can understand why people in the stadium were a little bit like, oh, what is going on here? But the second half started and we started like an absolute house on fire. Attacking with intent, with uh, directness, with aggression, moving the ball quick, zipping it around, making sure that we were dominant in all of our duels, in all of our individual battles. And then, of course, very early in the second half, um, just four minutes in, Gabriel Jesus puts Arsenal in front with a scrappy goal, but one that came from essentially Bukayo Saka taking it on, going and and sort of taking the game to Spurs, taking a bit of responsibility. And then Gabriel Jesus being sharp, being alert and coming alive inside the six-yard box. Now, great work from Saka. The shot 
uh, forces a save out of Hugo Lloris down to his right. I don't really blame Lloris as much as some people are in this. Um, I've seen some Spurs fans going absolutely nuts about Hugo Lloris's role in this. He makes the initial save and then it ricochets off of Christian Romero, which he can't do an awful lot about. People have been critical of it, him then allowing the ball to squirm underneath him. But I think that all happens so fast and in such close proximity. It's harsh to be really critical of the goalkeeper there. But there was Gabriel Jesus. And what I love about this was Jesus, he takes a touch, doesn't he? He gets a touch on it to kind of get it away from the defender. But he's not going to then rely on it rolling over the line. He makes sure. And when he makes sure, the stadium goes absolutely mad and he wheels away in celebration and the feel-good factor just returned to Emirates Stadium. Everybody was jumping up and down. Everybody was buzzing. Everybody uh, was on cloud nine. And um, and th from there on, you felt like Arsenal then had the bit between their teeth. You felt like we had a scare. We survived the scare. We overcame the scare. And from that point onwards, OK, at the time, I didn't feel this way. But now looking back on it, I don't think the result was ever in doubt. And then, of course, uh, Emerson Royale gets himself uh, sent off as well, which obviously helps us. I can't believe there are people out there saying, oh, it's harsh. Oh, Mark Goldbridge, the game should be refereed differently because it's a derby. What nonsense is that? What So when you play derbies, no rules apply. When you play derbies, of which London clubs have more than anybody else because of how many teams are here, we should get an advantage in the way the games are refereed in comparison to... I don't know, Manchester United, who only have one derby with Manchester City or Liverpool, who only have one with Everton. It's absolute nonsense. I can't believe that is the narrative. He comes over the, the back of the guy's um, like Achilles. It's a horrible challenge. It's high up the leg. It's dangerous. It's nasty. And it is what it is. You know, it's a red card and Emerson Royale gets an early bath. And from then on, you feel even more confident that Arsenal are going to go on and win it. What was telling as well, I thought, at that point was that at 2-1, I know they were down to 10 men, but at 2-1, Antonio Conte looked at this game and went, nah, we're not getting anything from this. We're down to 10. We're playing poorly. We've been second best in every single department. I've got a European game on Tuesday. I'm going to hook some of the big boys. And he takes off Son and he takes off Richarlison and he takes off Hoybjerg, which for me is the biggest compliment he could pay to this Arsenal side. The fact that people come to Emirates Stadium now, go behind and don't think that they have an opportunity to turn this game around because we have been in such formidable form. They don't feel like it's a possibility. They don't feel like the possibility is strong enough that they should be taking a risk with their players when looking ahead to upcoming fixtures. That, for me, is the biggest compliment that Antonio Conte could pay to Arsenal and to where Arsenal are today. And he did it. And then, of course, the third goal from Granit Xhaka. Look, he made a mistake in the build-up to Spurs' equalisers. No question about that. OK, but he has been superb this season. Three assists now and two goals. He's taken some of the creative burden away from Martin Odegaard. He's getting into those pockets of space and linking up with Martinelli, and linking up with Gabriel Jesus. And... When we go into games where Martin Odegaard is marked out of them, which invariably teams try to do, we've now got an alternative on the other side who's been equally as effective. You can't deny it. You can moan about the guy all you like. You can call him limited. You can say all the things that have been said a million and one times about Granit Xhaka in the last year. Years. But 
the guy is performing to an incredibly high level. And it was great from Martinelli and Partey. They combined really well in the build-up to that. And then when Martinelli carries the ball in field, Xhaka takes over the situation. And from the minute he takes that touch out of his feet, you know, you just know. You know that he's going to score that. I was in the corner um, there where Granit Xhaka came over to celebrate. He takes the touch, does everything right, keeps it low, strikes it ferociously back across the goalkeeper and into the back of the net it goes. And the game's done. The game is done and dusted. Arsenal win it. And uh, and, and as I said right at the top of the programme, football wins. Let me go through some of the individual performances. And um, we are, for our members, going to bring you um, a tactical analysis of the game. We're going to do a real deep dive into how Arsenal won the battle of North London uh, yesterday. We're going to be doing all of that and we're going to be breaking down some of the numbers as well, uh, which is always interesting to do. If you want access to that, because that will be a premium piece of content, then you need to follow the link in the description below and sign up to the Chronicles of Aguna on the Another Slice platform. So, uh, if you're a YouTube member, you'll get access to that as well uh, for now. But those YouTube memberships are not going to be around forever. Uh, we are managing a transition over to the Another Slice platform. So um, make sure if you haven't done it already and you're wanting to support the Chronicles of Aguna, as well as Great Ormond Street Hospital, who will be making donations to on a monthly basis from the membership pot, uh, then please do follow the instructions below. Go over to the Another Slice website. It's anotherslice.com forward slash Chronicles of Aguna. Sign, create an account on the website, not the app, the website. Subscribe on the website and then you can download the Another Slice app, put in your login credentials and you will have the Chronicles of Aguna's premium content at your fingertips. OK, uh, let's just take a very, very short pause and then we'll run through some individual performances. We're going to be back with another couple of streams over the next 24 hours or so. And we'll do lots more question stuff then because... I'm attending a wedding today, a, a good friend's wedding. So I haven't got an awful lot of time today, which is annoying. Yeah, it's annoying because I wanted to just gloat about Arsenal all day. But we're going to take a short pause and we'll be back. Today's episode is sponsored by NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. NerdWallet's trusted financial journalists use fact-based reporting for some much-needed clarity in the finance world, helping you make smarter decisions with your money. The nerds have helped me get smarter about things like planning for my tax bills so I don't dread April every year, producing a balanced budget, not just for football, and saving on travel because spending less on airfares means more money for an extra night and maybe a fancy dinner too. Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money podcast on your favourite podcast app. Future you will thank you. Hello and welcome back to the Chronicles of Aguna, the Arsenal podcast, part of the 90 Min Football Network. Right, let's run through some individual performances. Um, starting with the goalkeeper, Aaron Ramsdale, made a couple of really good stops yesterday. Um, didn't have an awful lot to do, not as much as I expected him to have to do in a North London derby, but I thought the stop he made in the first half from that set-piece situation was really, really good. Um, you know, and it, it played a massive part, obviously, in the result. So, can't fault Aaron Ramsdale. At right-back, Ben White was sublime. So, so good. This guy is not being spoken about enough outside of Arsenal circles, I don't think. He's shown versatility, athleticism, composure, technical ability. He's shown it all. He's been superb. And, you know, when he gets on his bike and makes that run 
on the outside of Bukayo Saka. That's a joy to behold watching that because he's like a train. He just gets going, but also has the ability to tuck into that defence, tuck into that midfield. Um, you know, people outside of Arsenal are starting to look at him now and say, maybe that £50 million fee was indeed justified. William Saliba, immense as well. Um, unbelievable performance from the lad. You know, nothing seems to phase this guy. And again, uh, you know, people were very critical of the way Arsenal handled him. I think there were elements of, of their handling of Saliba that they got wrong. But overall, sending him out on loan and allowing him to gain that additional experience at a big club like Marseille has ultimately shaped the player, moulded the player that we have today. And, you know, what a what a pleasure uh, to see him in the North London derby. I wonder if he's emptied out his pockets yet. He might get a little Harry Kane and a little Richarlison. Maybe even Son as well, falling out of there. Uh, moving to Gabriel. I, I don't think Gabriel was flawless yesterday, obviously. I think he he made a mistake for the penalty. Um, and Gabriel does that from time to time, doesn't he? Just gets sucked in a little bit. He can be a little bit rash at times. I think we see those moments less frequently now than we did when he first joined the club. But they're still there. And, um, and so, although I thought he defended brilliantly for the most part and ultimately contributed to us seeing the win out I, I think you've got to ask questions about um you know you've got to ask questions about some elements of his game but overall a, a strong performance with one real lapse uh left back Zinchenko I thought he did well in terms of getting into the midfield and um and supporting Thomas Partey and helping him to dominate um, you know, it was clearly part of the plan. Defensively, there's still question marks over Zinchenko for me as a left back. But obviously, when he's in the team, he's not really um, he's not really expected to do an awful lot of that because the idea is that we dominate the ball, we control the game, and we seem to be able to control games better when he's at left back and stepping into midfield. But there is that defensive question mark for me around Zinchenko. I, I wonder as well, if aside from the idea of dominating the midfield and all of that, which I've talked about on numerous occasions during this podcast, I wonder if it was the big game experience factor as well. Because I was watching closely yesterday, sort of being in the ground, and there was a couple of occasions where Gabriel Jesus had come back to defend. There was a, a situation where he did some great defensive work at left back. There was another time where we were defending a corner, I think it was, and he comes over and he's kind of like gesturing to everybody, like, keep your heads, calm down. He's like making sure everybody's on it, everybody's alert. And I wonder if, you know, he and Zinchenko have sort of been, well, in fact, I know that he and Zinchenko have been kind of tasked with being leaders in this squad that does have a lot of young developing players in it. Um, so, yeah, uh, you know, Zinchenko overall good, um, but there were a couple of question marks defensively for me. That left side was our problem um, more than anything else, although it was only really a problem for, what, 10, 15 minutes, as I said. Um, moving into the midfield, Thomas Partey was the best player on the pitch while he was on. You know, a, a mate of mine said to me that he, he was like he was walking around in his slippers. It, it was that easy for Thomas Partey. Getting on the ball, turning, dictating play, fabulous range of passing, stunning goal to go with it. I said it during the week. I said it on 90 Min. I said it on this show as well. We are 20% better as a football team when Thomas Partey is fit and available. He is that good. We've called him a transformational midfielder in the past, and he is exactly that. And I honestly believe when people are talking about how far can Arsenal go, can they win the Premier League, can they challenge for the Premier League, can they finish second, can they win the Europa League, so much of that for me 
is dependent on how much or how well we can look after Thomas Partey. How well can we manage his fitness? If we can do that, we've got one hell of a player on our hands. And as I say, he improves this team by at least 20%, which is a big, big deal when you're talking about one individual player. Unbelievable performance from him. Granit Xhaka, really good performance overall, with the exception of not clearing the ball properly with the penalty situation. But he made up for that later on, didn't he? Uh, with that goal, because, um, yeah, brilliantly taken finish, as I mentioned earlier on. Martin Odegaard worked incredibly hard, pressed aggressively, helped us with our tempo, with our rhythm, but wasn't allowed, I don't think, to get on the ball as much as we'd have liked him to be. Um, and that was a testament to to the way that Spurs look to deal with him. But this is the thing with this Arsenal side. You might be able to cut out one supply chain, but you can't do both at the same time. And that's why we're so much more effective going forward than we have been in the past. Because there's threat in every single area of the pitch. So, yeah, uh, you know, shout out to Martin Odegaard. Always, even when he doesn't get to dictate the game in the way he'd like. I'm not saying he's bad, by the way. But even when he doesn't get to sort of impact the game in the way that he would love, he still gives you a 7 out of 10 in terms of his work rate, in terms of his positioning, in terms of his commitment. And uh, obviously that's great to see. Moving on to the right, I thought Saka was under... What's the word? I was going to say I was going to say under key, but the term I'm looking for is low key good. Like in that, again, you know, did he have the the impact all the time that you maybe expect from a player like that? No, but he contributed massively because when he gets on the ball and when he cuts in from that right hand side, he's so difficult to contend with. He's got this incredible strength for someone of such a small frame. And uh, yeah, you know, he was instrumental in the second goal, which ultimately was probably one of the most important, was probably the most important goal. The timing of it, the way it came about, it just really took the stuffing out of Tottenham Hotspur. So shout out to Bukayo Saka as well. Martinelli again on the left, imperious. The guy's a machine. The guy's got an incredible engine. I, I, I don't think I've seen anyone like it who can just get up and down a pitch and does everything with so much energy all of the time. Um, amazing to see and constantly a threat down Arsenal's left-hand side. And Gabriel Jesus, well, running out of superlatives for this guy because every week he's a difference maker in terms of his build-up play, in terms of his work rate, in terms of leading the press, but in terms of scoring and contributing to goals as well. He's just been stunning um, since he arrived from Manchester City. What a signing that has proved it to be. Uh, so, yeah, those are kind of my individual player breakdowns as well. Um, look, as I say, um, we're going to be back tomorrow with a Chronicles of Aguna premium bit of content. Really, really uh, looking forward to sharing that with you. Um, a lot of work has gone into it so far. There's still a little bit more that needs doing. Uh, I'm going to be watching the rest of the game back in full. Um, and then, of course, bringing you some deeper tactical analysis uh, with regards to what we saw unfold at Emirates Stadium yesterday. Uh, North London is red, but we already knew that, didn't we? Arsenal come out on top in the North London derby. Remember, just a quick reminder, if you do want to get involved with our membership platform, if you do want to access the premium content, which is coming your way tomorrow, then please do uh, head over to www.anotherslash.com forward slash Chronicles of Aguna. Create your account at the top of the page using the create account option. Um, this is the website, by the way, not the app. You've got to do this on the website. 
then uh, of course once you've done that you can click on subscribe um that will sign you up to the Chronicles of Aguna. You'll be getting a minimum of four pieces of members-only content a month, but I'm sure there'll be more than that. That is uh, the minimum. Um, Selgear says, is the new platform only offering one tier of membership? It is. Um, it is uh, because we're going to be giving you a lot more than we ever did, um, and hence why. Um, but yeah, there is there is only one tier of membership on that. As I said to you, mate, if anyone's got any queries, any questions, any concerns, drop me an email. The email address is chroniclesafc at gmail.com and I will happily speak to you. Um, this is not compulsory. I've said it before. Um, but if you'd like to support the channel, support the charity that we're supporting, support me to make more Arsenal-related content, then we'd love to have you. And as I said, uh, as I've been saying all week, there are three bits of content already there for members when you sign up. But there's a new one coming tomorrow. Um, and then, of course, we'll be bringing you a minimum, as I say, of four a month, one a week, Probably be more than that, though, I'm sure, uh, given some of the exciting things that we have in the pipeline. Right. I'll catch you all a little bit later on. I'm off to a wedding to dance the night away in celebration of Arsenal being at top of the league. I'll catch you all soon. Up the Gunners. I'm Martin Tyler and you're listening to Harry Simeon.